We are continuing our sermon series. It's called Putting Your Life in Order. We started a few weeks ago. We talked about putting, uh, we talked about uh, ordering your heart, and then we talked about ordering your time, and today we're talking about ordering your mind. You know, the New Testament is filled with commands uh, regarding what we should be thinking about, what our minds should be preoccupied with. And here are just two examples. Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3 to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And then similarly, in Philippians 4.8, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So as Christians, we're not just called to believe in God, and we're not just called to uh, live for God, but we're also called to think about God. We're also called, called to allow God to take up uh, the brain space in our heads. And why is that? Because oftentimes, and you sort of know this intuitively, um, the things that are in our minds uh, often determine the things we care about, the things that are the most valuable to us. The things that our minds dwell on the most often reflect the things that are the most valuable to us, and they often shape the things that are the most valuable to us. Um, Paul writes in Romans 12 too, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And then he asks, and then he explains how you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this is, if you were to map out this verse in sort of like a, a logic chain, okay, this is how I would think about it. First, you renew your mind, your mind is renewed, and then that gives you the power to be transformed, and then because you're transformed, now you're able to resist this confirmation, uh, this conformity to the patterns of this world, and then you're able to know God's will. And so, but it all starts with this first part, which is our mind first needs to be renewed. This whole process starts because our mind needs to be renewed. And so if that's the way it works, then I think a very practical question that we should ask ourselves is how much of our brain space, you know, whether it's time spent, energy spent, how much of our brain space is spent thinking about things of above? How much of our brain space is dedicated to the things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, how much of our brain space can we generally say is being renewed? You know, if I'm honest with myself, uh, sometimes there are many days in which the honest answer is not very much. I spend a lot of time thinking about things of this earth, earthly things. You know, a, a 2020 study out of Queen's University in Canada proposed that human beings have about 6,000 thoughts per day. 6,000 thoughts per day. That's a lot, right? But we're always... You know, it's like every 10 seconds, we're just jumping from one thing to the next. And it comes, they come and go so fast that, you know, a lot of times we don't even finish a thought. It's just, we're just sort of, we have one thought and then we're interrupted by another thought and then we're interrupted by another, and we're just bouncing back and forth out of control from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. And, uh, and th this is the way thoughts work, okay? Our minds are almost never blank. Maybe when you are really young, uh, your minds might be blank, I'm not sure, but, but at a certain point, you know, your minds are n almost never blank. There's always something taking up something, there's always something taking up real estate in your brain. 
So when you're not thinking about God, it's because you're thinking about something else. Okay, maybe you're thinking about uh, basketball, you're thinking about what restaurant you're going to eat at, you're thinking about your vacation logistics. You're thinking about something that is occupying space in your brain, and as a result, you're not thinking about God. Okay, and, and now a lot of these things are great to think about. We should think about a lot of these things. But I think almost none of us here, if I were to take a poll, right, almost none of us would say something like, oh, I think about God too much, okay? Almost all of us would say, I think about God too little, and I think about other things too much, okay? So this is just the practical question we'll be talking about today, which is how do we develop some patterns uh, such that we are accurately thinking about God in the appropriate amount, or at least closer to the appropriate amount, okay? How do we make space in our lives to think about God? How do we think less about some of these other things? We should still think about them sometimes. But how do we think less about some of these things so that we spend more time thinking about God? Well, let's read the Bible a little bit. Specifically, let's start off by reading Luke 10, 38 to 42. And here there are two characters, uh, Mary and Martha. And one is thinking about God and one is thinking about other things. Okay, so let's explore the story. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that the sister has left me, that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one, Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. Okay, so we see this clear example uh, of two people, Mary and Martha. What was filling up Mary's mind at this moment? It was Jesus. She was sitting at the Lord's feet listening. What was filling up Martha's mind? Well, it says she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. So those were the things she was thinking about. And notice what Jesus says to uh, Martha in verse 41. He, he says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And so the principle here is clear, which is that oftentimes the main reason we don't think about Jesus is because we are so distracted and preoccupied by thinking about other things, by being distracted by other things, by being worried by other things. Okay. And so what is our solution? It is to free up our brains by spending less time on those things so that we can think about other things. You know, one of the things VK and I, my wife VK and I, we talk about a lot these days is the state of our house, okay, the physical state of our, the messiness in our house, all right? And uh, we're always talking about how do we make our house more orderly, more organized, and uh, it's, it's been like this constant state of messiness um, ever since we bought it, okay, six years ago, all right. So um, we've been having these conversations, and um, our initial instinct oftentimes is to try to think of creative interior design solutions, all right. So we say, oh, maybe if the couch was over here instead of over here, then it would be more ordered. Or maybe if we had like a better toy storage bin system, then it would be more ordered. Or maybe, you know, well, we just need a shoe rack that's, that can, you know, a little bigger so we can put more shoes in it then you know then it will be more ordered okay so that's one strategy i call that the creative interior design solution okay but we almost always recognize that is just a temporary fix that only goes so far uh it's a 
it won't solve all the issues. The main reason why the house is disorderly is we have too much stuff. Okay, so eventually, if we really want to make it order, if we really want to keep the mess, what we have to do is throw stuff away, or at least donate stuff, or but in other words, get stuff out of the house. Okay, if that is the long-term solution. It's not just to contain things in a better way, but to get things out. And I think the same concept applies to the mind. If you're finding that you're not spending enough time in your day thinking about God, then you know you might you might try to the the, the creative interior design solution first, so, and, and you might call this um, reorganizing your mind. Okay, reorganizing your mind is stuff like, you know what, I I try to pray in the mornings, but it's kind of too hectic. So you know what, I'm gonna pray in the evenings, right? You just sort of shift your strategy. Or like, you know what, I'm not very good at reading the Bible, so I'm going to set an alarm at this time, I'm going to read the Bible. Okay, so you do that. So you, you, you do all these things to sort of trick yourself to think about God more. Okay, so that's one way to do it. That's, that's the reorganizing your mind. Uh, and, and that's not bad. Some of those options, they can be successful. You can give those a try. But there's a second option, which might be more effective, which, and I call this decluttering your mind. In other words, throwing stuff out. Okay, you... The issue is there's just too much stuff in your brain. There's too much stuff going on, and God can't fit because it's full of stuff. It's like you're trying to stuff trash in a trash can, and the trash can is overflowing, right? And so what you got to do, you got to take out the trash, then you can put more trash in. And same thing, right? There's, you got to declutter what's in your mind. You got to have the, the space, and then God can fill in that space, right? And that's what Mary did, okay? She decided, you know what? There's a lot of things I can do. There's a lot of things I can, that can fill up my mind right now, but I'm going to intentionally not do those things. I'm going to just sit here and listen and receive. So what does that look like? How do we declutter our minds? Okay, so here's a few practical applications, and um, some of these will seem, you know, very, very practical, but that's, that's the point, okay? All right, we'll just dive in. Okay, firstly, examine your life and consider whether you can cut stuff out. Examine your life and consider whether you can cut stuff out. You know, this is pretty basic, but, you know, sometimes it just needs reminding. The more stuff we do, the more we think about. The more responsibilities we have, the more things that occupy our minds, okay? The more kids you have, the more work responsibilities you have, the more vacations you want to have, the more TV shows you want to watch. Okay? All these things, they don't, none of them are bad things, but the more things that we have, the more real estate is taken up in our brains, Okay? And again, none of these things are bad. Just like doing chores is not bad. And Martha, she was doing all these chores. Doing chores is not bad. But the thing is, they were occupying so much of her brain space that she wasn't even able to realize that the best move was to lay those chores down and just sit at the feet of Jesus, okay? Doing good things can be a distraction to doing the most important things. Sometimes we think, you know... Um, you know, we think of sin as the distracting thing. Like, oh, don't do sinful things. That will distract you from God. And of course, that's true. But sometimes doing good things, like doing chores or working a job or, you know, resting, all these things are eating food. All these are good things. Those can also be a distraction. So sometimes those need to go. You know, when we're not doing well spiritually with God, I think our tendency is often, well, at least my tendency, is always to uh, add more things to my life. You go, okay, I'm not doing well with God, so I gotta pray more. I'm not doing well with God, so I gotta read the Bible more. I'm not doing good, well with God, I gotta attend another Bible study. So I gotta 
in other words, like, here's my schedule, okay? I'm not doing well, so I need to add another thing to my schedule. But have you considered that maybe the reason why you're not doing well with God is because you have too many things to do, which is why every time you try to add something to your schedule, it just, it just bounces right off. It just, you, you, you try for a week, and then the next week you stop doing it because you have too many things to do. Here's another analogy. If you're a parent of toddlers, okay, like we are, you know this, okay, if you are eat, if your toddler's about to eat dinner, one of the surest ways uh, they will not eat very much is if you give them a huge snack right before, okay? If you, if they're eating dinner at six o'clock and at five o'clock they ate like a whole bag of goldfish, they're not going to eat dinner. Or they just drank a, whole, a bunch of chocolate milk, you know, and actually we, we, this always happens at restaurants. We go to IHOP or something, and then they get a kid's meal, and they always get the cho chocolate milk, and the chocolate milk comes out in the biggest cup possible first, okay, and they drink it, and sometimes they want to refill, and so by the time the food comes, they don't want to eat anything, because they just had so much chocolate milk, all right? And so and the same concept applies to how we think about God. If, if our weeks are so cluttered with so many things, there's just no more room. We're so full by the time we want to read our Bible, we just can't do it anymore. Right? And so, um, because our schedules are stuffed with so many things, there's no more room to even engage with God. We don't have this, the brain space to think about God. So that's the first application. Examine your life. Think about your life. Think about all your responsibility. And, and just generally ask yourself, is there too many, are there too many things that I'm engaged in that prevents me from actually having room for God in my life? All right, that's the first application. Here's the second one. It's a bit similar to the first, but uh, I'm going to narrow it down a little bit, okay? And I'll unpack this a little bit too. Limit your information acquisition. And that might sound kind of odd. What is that even talking about, okay? What I mean is, you know, we live in this age in which we're always learning things all the time, which is most of the time a good thing, but sometimes this can be a distraction too. That's what I'm talking about, okay? You know, we often think curiosity is a good thing, Education is a good thing. Learning is a good thing. And yes, but too much knowledge can actually be bad. You know, uh, about 2,000 years ago, this Roman philosopher, his name is Seneca the Younger, he said, the abundance of books is a distraction. Okay, and he wrote this before the printing press was invented. Okay, in comparison, there weren't that many books back then. But even then, he was saying the abundance of books is a distraction. What does that mean, that the abundance of books is a distraction? And, and I think we sort of have a better idea now, but we sort of realize learning about things that are a little bit important prevents us from learning about things that are really important. Learning about things that are a little bit important prevents us or distracts us from learning about things that are really important. You know, we live in an age now, if Seneca the Younger, he thought, you know, it was information overload in his day. It definitely is information overload today. Okay, we live in an age of information overload. Okay, every spare second we have, we're trying to stuff our brains with more things to learn. Okay, we can't just drive. You have to listen to a podcast while you drive. Okay, you can't just wait in line. You have to scroll through your newsfeed when you're waiting in line. Okay, you can't just uh, go on a jog. You have to listen to an audiobook while you're going on a jog. And so we're always trying to put more things into our brains all the time. Now, technology is wonderful. I like technology. Okay, we're using technology all the time. Social media is wonderful. I use it all the time. And it's amazing how, you know, 
in one minute of just scrolling on social media, you can know what five of your friends are doing, right? You, you can just say, oh, this person's on vacation, and this person's going on a date, and this person's stuck at home alone watching Netflix, and you just, you just know, oh, I, I can have a quick status update for so many people, whereas it used to be, you had to write letters to people and, or visit them and stuff like that. Okay, so social media is great, and uh, YouTube is amazing as well. Okay, on YouTube, you can learn so many things just at the snap of a finger for free. I mean, you sometimes have to watch ads, okay, but otherwise, it's, it's free. You can, if you want to learn how to cook a recipe, or if you want to learn, like, oh, here's what I wish I knew before I traveled to Hawaii, okay, or there's so many things you can learn on YouTube, or if you want to learn how to fix a dishwasher, okay, it's all on YouTube, but think about this. Okay, the way social media is designed, the way YouTube is, the way all these things are designed is they're meant to be psychologically addictive, all right? That's, that's how they make their money. They want you to be hooked so that you can keep going. And so that's why there's clickbait everywhere. That's why there, there's features like infinite scroll, infinite scroll, if you know what that is, you're scrolling in your newsfeed and you, you see a scroll bar on the right. So you think you're making your way to the bottom, but then you make your way to the bottom and then it refreshes and then it starts over. You have to keep going again. It never ends, okay? Autoplay is another feature. You, you watch a video and then there's a five second countdown to watch another video on a topic that you never even cared about in the first place, but because it's a countdown, you go, oh, I, I care about this video, okay? So we're, we're, we're hooked to do stuff like that um, on social media in a way that it, the reason why is because it's intentionally designed such that every single thing that we encounter on social media is not only, you know, personally uh, geared towards us because of these algorithms, but it's, it, nothing is boring. Okay, everything's exciting, everything is urgent, everything is exhilarating, everything is uh, mind-blowing, okay, on social media. And so what happens when we use this a lot is we are psychologically deceived into thinking that we're putting really important information into our brains. When in actuality, a lot of the information is not that important at all. We're psychologically deceived into thinking, oh, this is the most important thing we need to do, but it actually distracts us from the most important things we've got to do in real life. You know, I don't know how many times I've done this, where like I have this big project in front of me, a big work project or something, and then uh, I sit down and go, oh man, this is going to take a lot of energy. I'm just going to scroll on, scroll on social media, <laughs> you know? And, and why? Because it's a way to distract myself, and it's a way to sort of just uh, get a quick fix of this desire to accomplish something, right? Um, well, I don't know how many times I'm sitting on my phone looking at something and my kid is asking for help because, you know, he can't open a juice box, okay? And, um, and I feel like, man, stop interrupting me. I'm trying to figure out how to figure out this dishwasher, okay? I'm trying to understand how this dishwasher works. And I forget at this moment, oh, actually, my kid is more important than my dishwasher, <laughs> you know? Um, but the, the, that's the thing with social media is when we're constantly connected to this digital world, it causes us to lose the ability to distinguish between what's important and what's not important. And we forget how to stay focused and commit to the real life tasks in front of us. Um, there's a professor at Westmont College named Felicia Wu Song. She wrote a book called Restless Devices. And in this book, she's, she talks about social media. And uh, she's a Christian, and she's writing from a Christian perspective. And she, uh, she talks about, one of the things she talks about is how social media distracts us from uh, real life and how uh, we are losing our capacity to pay attention, 
Okay, but then she says something interesting. She had some nuance to this discussion of attention and distraction. She says this, as such, attention and distraction are not opposites. Rather, distraction is a form of attention, a form of attention that is poorly directed toward those things that are not worthy of us. If attention is the capacity to direct one's mind and heart in a particular direction, and distraction is just a poorly placed locus of attention, then our problem may not be that we don't have enough time. The actual problem may be that we don't have a sufficiently clear sense of what we ought to do, or what we ought to attend to. While we gear up with productivity apps and time management systems to do battle against time poverty, these efforts to manage time may be misdirected. If we shift paradigms and realize that our modern plight is about managing our attention rather than managing our time, we might discover that we're working out a wholly different puzzle. So what Dr. Song is talking about is we're always thinking about time management. We want to manage our time better. And, you know, and she, but she says, actually, maybe a better way to think about it is manage your attention better. Uh, attention management. Ask yourselves, what are the things that you're giving your attention to? What are the things that are causing you to be very emotional when you shouldn't be? And so on. Jesus said to Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Her attention was captured by all these things that were not things of God. And I think that often describes the social media experience. When we're on social media for a long time, we become worried and upset about many things. That's the sum effect of social media. We're worried and upset about this tragedy in this country, you know, this politician who said something dumb, you know, this corporation who, who, you know, who's being sued, and this friend of ours that we haven't seen in 10 years, and, you know, but they're just sick one day. You know, there's all these things that cause us to be worried and upset. And of course, some of these things, it's appropriate to learn about these things, and, but I think the, the fact that you know, the fundamental question is, are all of these things taking up so much time and so much of our attention such that we don't even have the capacity for God anymore? So I encourage you to think of the ways uh, that you can sort of curate your social media usage. So I'm not saying throw away social media altogether. Um, maybe you can set a daily time limit for specific apps on your phone. Maybe you can decide something like, you know what, the last hour of the day, I will not be on my phone, something like that. Maybe you can choose, you know, one day of the week, there's going to be one day of the week that's going to be news-free. I'm not going to learn about what's going on in the world, okay? You can pick, take your pick, but think of a way in which you can uh, ensure that your attention is being spent in the right areas, all right, sometimes. Okay, so that's the second issue. Here's a third uh, application, okay? And this may seem a little bit out of left field, but... I'll explain it in a bit, okay? Don't confuse theological knowledge with spiritual growth. Don't confuse theological knowledge with spiritual growth. You know, we're talking about filling up our, our minds with things of God, and this is what often happens with some folks, people like myself, who are a little bit like theological nerds, okay? We think we're actually dwelling with God, spending time with God, when actually we're just stuffing our brains with Bible trivia. And it actually doesn't have any benefit for us spiritually, okay? I'm gonna read this passage. This is John 5, 39 to 40. Jesus is talking to religious leaders and he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So here you have religious leaders 
They're filling their brains with the Bible, which, you know, we think that's a good thing. They're spending a lot of time studying the scriptures diligently. They have a ton of theological knowledge, but they don't even know Jesus. They don't even know Jesus. They're just, it's just Bible trivia in their brains. And that's a sobering warning for us because it means, you know, sometimes reading the Bible brings you closer to God, but sometimes reading the Bible actually, actually distances you from God. And it gives you the illusion that you're getting closer to God, but you're actually not. And there's a danger in that. You know, the Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard, he wrote about this one time. He says that there's a lot of Christians out there. They're so preoccupied by studying the Bible and interpreting the Bible and discussing the Bible and debating the Bible, and they don't follow any of it. And he says this. He says, take the Bible, lock your door, but then get out 10 dictionaries and 25 commentaries. Then you can read it just as calmly and coolly as you read newspaper advertising. We have become such experts at cunningly shoving one layer after another, one interpretation after another, between the word and our lives, much in the way a boy puts a napkin or more under his pants when he's going to get a licking, and we then allow this preoccupation to swell to such profundity that we never come to look at ourselves in the mirror. Yes, it seems as if all this research and pondering and scrutinizing would draw God's word very close to us, Yet this interpreting and reinterpreting and scholarly research and new scholarly research is but a defense against it. So this is pretty powerful. What he's saying is this. You can be so preoccupied by reading, interpreting, theorizing, debating the Bible that you don't realize that all this effort is just a defense mechanism against the Bible. You're preventing the Bible from doing a work on your life because Whenever you think about it, you're not thinking, oh, how can I apply this to your life? You're thinking, oh, what does this mean? And what does so-and-so say? What does that person say? And how can this person say this? And you're just stuck in this theory. You're, you're just doing these mind tricks with the Bible. Okay? The Word of God should be, in the, word of, in the book of James, like a mirror. Right? We should look at it, and it reflects back to us. And when we read the Bible, we're supposed to read it introspectively and, and, and cont contemplatively and think about our lives as a result. Right? It reflects things about us. And, uh, but what Kierkegaard is saying, some people, they don't do that. They're reading the Bible in this sort of cold, hard, objective uh, sense in which it doesn't do anything at all. It just read it as if we're just reading newspaper advertising. And it gives us the illusion that we're drawn close to God when we're actually not. So I encourage you to ask yourself, how do you read the Bible? How do you think about theology? Is it just information acquisition or is it life transformation? Are you filling your brain with the Bible in such a way so that it transforms you, or is it just trivia? Don't just fill up your, your mind with Bible trivia. Fill it up with truths that have the power to change your life. Okay. Um, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster, he writes this, in our contemporary society, our adversary, or Satan, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. You know, one of the enemy's uh, favorite tricks, I think, to pull on us today is to keep us busy. To give us all these things to look at, all these things to do, all these things to care about, all these things to be worried about, such that that's all we ever do. That's all 
our brain space is just filled up. Um, we've cluttered our minds with muchness and manyness, and it's choking out any serious thought that we might ever have about God. So I want to invite you to stop doing that, to cut some of that stuff out of your life. Stop doing too many things. Stop learning too many things. Stop learning theology just for theology's sake and have the downtime, have the space, the emptiness for the Spirit to fill you up. Be quiet. Be still. Set your minds on things above. Allow God to renew your mind that you would be transformed. We're going to pray to close out. Um, uh, but before I pray, I'm just going to encourage you just to have maybe a minute or two of silence. Many of us, we're not really good at having silence. We, again, as I mentioned, you know, whenever there is any downtime, any break, any silence, we are quick to pull out our phones or we're quick to occupy our, our minds. So this is just an opportunity. We're just going to have a minute or two of silence. And, you know, for many of you, inevitably, random thoughts will come up that will distract you. And, and that's okay, you know. Um, it, it's very unnatural to be silent in today's day and age. And so when these random thoughts come up, I just want to encourage you to give those things to God. So let's say, you know, you, you think, oh, what's for lunch? Or you're thinking, oh, you know, someone texted me the other day. I forgot to respond. So whatever these things are that are just pop up in your brains, just give those things to God. Just say, God, here's this issue I have. Here's this concern I have. Here's this thing going on in my life. I just give it to you, all right? Give it to God. Surrender those things to God. So we're going to do that for a minute or two. We'll have silence. Pray to God, ask God to fill you up, and then I'll close this out in a, in a verbal prayer, and then Andrew will come up and, and lead us in worship. Father, we come before you, and we confess that oftentimes we are uh, worried about too many things. Uh, there are so many things going on in our lives, in our hearts. Um, there's so many things that take up our time. Um, and uh, we're just running from one thing to the next. We have this one thought, and, and then we're interrupted by another thought, and we're interrupted by another thought, and before we know it, the whole day is over. And uh, we never accomplished what we set out to do. Um, I think about uh, in the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis, uh, there's this scene where the devil is talking about tempting us and he says um, that his goal was to get human beings to reach the end of their lives and to look back and say, I never did a single thing that I like to do. And uh, because we're just so passively driven by all these forces around us and uh, everything just feels so busy and none of it is what we should be doing actually. And so God, I pray that you would uh, intervene I pray that you would empty us of all these things that are distracting us. And I pray that you would fill us up with the things of God. Fill up our minds with things that are beautiful and true and noble and honorable. Fill us up with your spirit. May we dwell on the gospel. May we dwell on the work you are doing in our lives. May we dwell on the relationships you've called us to invest in. And may that cause us to be transformed 
so that we would no longer conform to the patterns of this world and we would be able to discern what your will is. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.